Hey, voice teachers, it's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 63, is all about accompanying our students. Now, whether you are comfortable behind the keys or whether sight reading music makes your brain want to explode, this conversation is more about when we should or shouldn't be behind the piano and how we can best support our students in our teaching studios when they practice at home and when they are performing. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hey, voice teachers, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. I hope you are having an incredible day. Today's podcast, To Play or Not To Play, we are talking about when we should and when we should not be accompanying our students. We're also going to be talking about some of the tools uh, and um, uh, great gadgets and apps that can really enhance uh, what we can do with our students, whether it's in the teaching studio or whether it's for home practice. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about working with collaborative pianists in our teaching studios. Um, now, I know some of you out there are already incredible professional piano players and uh, you bring that skill into your teaching studio that's amazing but I also know that some of us are not some of us have different superpowers and um, that's a little bit about what I want to talk about today and I want to start off by um, just kind of sharing a little story Uh, I was actually planning on doing a podcast because I've been doing a lot of research on play-based learning. Play-based learning is so interesting. Lots of great research. But I had an incident in my teaching studio this week, which made me feel the feels and made me sad and frustrated and angry. And uh, I got a little dark for a while. Um, but uh, so I'm going to share that with you. Um, I hope you'll don't mind indulging. It totally ties in with this whole podcast about uh, playing and not playing for our students. Anyhow, so one of my students came in. We are looking for a song for the recital. And uh, I had this idea for a song, but I haven't played it in like a decade. And it's in the key of E. And the key of E is not my friend. It's That is my nemesis key. And um, anyhow, I butchered this song. Oh, it was horrible. If I was wearing uh, gloves, it would have sounded like it was awful. That's all I'm going to say. It was really embarrassing. The student gave me some awkward looks as I played wrong note after wrong note. And even the mom who was sitting in the lesson studio looked up from her phone with a and gave me the hairy eyeball eyeball (laughs) it was very uncomfortable and usually I'm pretty good at at, uh, kind of laughing that off and 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 kind of smoothing that out but it really kind of caught me off guard and it made me start comparing and despairing it made me think about all my amazing friends and colleagues who are dynamite on the piano who have really top-notch piano skills and it made me start thinking that I wasn't serving my students properly and it made me sad because you know I really haven't since my son was born been able to invest the time 
into continuing my skills. Now, prior to my son um, being born, I was actually really invested. I was taking lessons again. I was redoing some of my conservatory examinations. They weren't fun, by the way. Uh, and and I was really enjoying it. And, and, you know, life and time management and all the things that, you know, I got busy doing just didn't allow me to do that. So I started to feel really bad. And I was really upset. And then I said, you know what, I'm just going to take a little break. And I went downstairs, I made myself a cup of tea, I came back up, I sat in my favorite yellow chair, and I took a deep breath. And then I sat there and I reflected for a while on all the amazing things that I do for my students, all the wonderful opportunities. And that's kind of what's inspired this podcast, because I know that I'm not alone. I know that as teachers, sometimes we need to be really knowledgeable in so many things, repertoire and and piano skills and anatomy and science and acting skills and all of that. It can really be overwhelming. And what's really important to remember, and I really want to, I really want you to hear this is that we all have our superpowers. We all have special skills that make us incredible teachers and make us unique. And this is a great opportunity for us to connect with our colleagues and work with our colleagues in a way that can not only help our studios, but uh, enhance their studios as well. And uh, I want to shout out to like my best friend, Anne Barnshaw, who is an amazing piano player. I don't know what I would do without her. She's also a fantastic um, a, a voice coach. And Anne and I have shared recitals um, and plays for my students for exams and auditions. Um, Anne is wonderful with languages. I do not do the German language. If you need to study a German language song, you go see Anne. Um, and I love how we work together. Um, so I I want everyone just to take a deep breath and, and celebrate your strengths as a teacher. Now, I also want to mention and put out there that we are finishing up 2018. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it's the beginning of December and many of us are wrapping up the year and it's always a fantastic time to reflect on your year and plan ahead. And that also uh, is a great time to look at how we are going to continue our education. How are, what skills do we want to develop? What courses do we want to take? Um, and I know many of my colleagues are out there and you are working hard on your piano skills and you are taking lessons. And I love that. And it's so inspiring. So here's my question to you. With the new year coming upon us, what are you, where is your energy and time and maybe some investment into your teaching studio, into your skills? What are you going to, what are you going to do this year? What are you going to do in 2019? I hope you've got some plans. And if you, if you haven't, um, I've got some ideas for you coming up on another podcast. Anyhow, I do want to get started on our topic of the day, which is to play 
or not to play. And they, I've got, um, I've got a couple little points here that I want to talk about. The first one is within the teaching studio with our technical exercises. Like, are we giving our students too much help? Are we supporting them too much? Um, I also want to touch in on um, practicing tracks or using tracks in the teaching studio. There's lots of great resources out there. Um, and this is also good for people who do have the piano skills because there are times when we do need to step away from the piano so we can watch. So we are eyes on our students. So important. Um, I also want to talk about um, working with collaborative pianists um, and and advocating for our students and also some of the things that we have to teach our students when working with other accompanists. So lots of great details and ideas and strategies today and I'm so glad that you are here. So the first thing I want to start off with is number one, to play or not to play. So when we get started in the teaching studio um, with uh, with our students, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with our younger students, um, one of the things that I did in the very beginning, which I do not do anymore, which was I would start vocal exercises at the piano. And I would usually, because I thought I was helping my students, I would usually sing with them and play with them. But I now truly believe that we need to allow our students uh, some time with vocal exploration before pitch correction. We need to give our students plenty of opportunities to sing unaccompanied uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, we get a better sense of how our student is relating to their voice when we use play-based games and vocalization exercises. And if you haven't checked out the podcasts that we did about vocalization exercises, there's so many ways that we can engage our singers. And um, pitch issues, uh, not sometimes they're not really about whether they can hear the pitch or match the pitch. Sometimes they are just not comfortable with the sounds they make. So vocal exploration before banging out notes on the piano is so important. And this is something that I definitely do with my introductory students and with my introductory vocal class. Many of my students are uncomfortable, nervous, anxious about the sounds that they make. So we have to play some games. And I do not do very many exercises while sitting at the piano. Now, this is one of the reasons why I always advocate that we need to have a system in the voice studio that allows our students to sing unaccompanied. Now, my go-to is the movable dough, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. I know some people prefer fixed do. Uh, and you know what? Some people don't like that system, but I then use numbers. Use some sort of system where you are not referencing the piano. This allows you to really get a sense of, again, like I said, how they are relating to their voice, uh, what kind of relative pitch skills they may or may not have, um, and just getting them comfortable with hearing the sound of their voice. Some singers have never sung without hiding behind the piano or another voice. 
Now that brings me to, and I'm not just talking about kids there, by the way. I'm talking, some of the adults that have come to me over the years who have had a lifetime of singing have never been given the support or the invitation to just sing an exercise, a scale, a triad, an arpeggio, anything without someone either playing it for them or singing along with them. And that that's a challenge in the teaching studio for sure. Now, even simple vocal exercises, when we are at the piano, uh, how many of you are playing and singing with the student? Hmm. Now that might be what you do when you're teaching them the exercise and the exercise is new, but are we supporting them too much? So if you're not sure, well, I want you to try a few things in your studio this week. What happens if you don't sing with them? What happens? If they get a little shy and nervous, that's not a bad thing. I think we need to allow our students to be uncomfortable a little bit and encourage them through that. Now, what happens if you don't play? Or what happens if you play really softly? Do they get, do they get really soft? Can you encourage them to sing uh, louder than the piano? in a healthy manner, of course. What happens when they know the exercise really well and you can just give them a chord? Are they just as confident with singing the exercise with the chord or do they get quieter when the chord's there? I always tell my students, if you can sing it with the piano, you can sing it without the piano. And that's like, and that's a really good kind of cue for a lot of my students. Um, there are uh, a lot of times where we kind of go into autopilot. Um, sometimes I don't even realize that I'm singing along with my students and then I'll stop and I'll go, oh, you don't need my help here. And uh, it's sometimes it's just a default. It's just how maybe we were taught or maybe we started giving the student our extra help in the beginning and actually they don't really need it anymore, but we're still there singing along or playing along with them. Any time you can challenge your students and not play with them or sing with them. So important. Now, as our students get older and for students that are going to be participating in examinations, vocal examinations, they have to sing the technical exercises unaccompanied after hearing the starting note. And uh, if we don't do uh, those kind of exercises in the lesson studio, that's a very challenging part for a lot of our young singers. Um, so just a heads up, just be mindful in the studio. Are you helping them more than they need? Can you shake things up a little bit and maybe see how they do without your assistance? So uh, to play or not to play, give your students the, uh, the challenge of singing unaccompanied whenever possible. It serves uh, them and you. You'll get to know a lot about their, a lot more about their voices and their comfort levels, and they will start to really hear and understand and appreciate their voices. Now, uh, point number two. I'm just going to move my paper here. Um, point number two, and this is a sticky one in my teaching studio right now, and, and I don't really have any clear-cut solutions for these problems, but I will tell you what's working and not working in my teaching studio. Um, our singers need practice tracks for home. And the problem that I've experienced 
uh, quite a bit is what devices are being used at home. Um, a lot of our kids have their own phone or iPod or tablet. Maybe they have a computer. Um, the CD players are becoming more and more obsolete. So many families don't have any kind of CD player in their home. Um, some of my families use their is it a PlayStation? Because the PlayStations still have the CD drives in them. And then that goes through the home system. That works for a couple of my families. Um, the challenge is that uh, we need to be make sure that our students are getting the right type of file. So if we are recording um, uh, the exercises. Now, I really like to encourage my students, especially my older students who have their own phones, to record their accompaniment, the song, whatever we're working on, on their phones. <sighs> Did you hear that sigh? What I've seen lately is, strangely, my teenagers have stopped bringing their phones into the teaching studio. Like they never bring their phones like, oh, I just left it at home. And I finally, I was having a bad day last week. And my one student who never seems to bring her phone, I called her out and her mom was in the room. And I said, how strange that most of my teenagers have their, their phones surgically attached to them. But when I suggest they use it as a tool, a learning tool, it seems to disappear. And her mom smiled and laughed. She's like, well, 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 because we just had this conversation with her about using her phone and the calendar on her phone so she doesn't miss her appointments. Um, our students, our teenagers, are very reluctant to use the tools that they have. And um, it's challenging. And this is why I have open, uh, comfortable relationships with all of my students' families, because then I can say to mom and dad, I would like to figure out what system is going to work best for your family. You know, does she have a phone? Yes. Does she use it all day long? Yes. Is she using it to listen to music? Yes. Can she use it for her practicing for her lesson? Yes. But then there's a lot of follow-up that is required because, hmm, you know, it's that whole thing, as soon as you make something, uh, as soon as you tell someone to practice something, they don't want to do it. Anyhow, so the other challenge is um, if the phone, if there's a punishment for the student, like if phones or iPads or computers are taken away from the student as a form of punishment, what does that mean for practicing that week? That can get a little sticky. The other issue with our devices is that our singers have to have speakers. They have to be able to play the music loud enough for them to sing at a healthy volume. The speakers on the phones do not go loud enough. And even some of the laptop speakers are just not powerful enough so that the singers can sing with their full voices. And that is an issue as well. And this is where we have to partner 
with moms and dads and with students and decide, and I hold my families accountable for this. So they have to tell me how practicing is going to be done at home so I can facilitate that in the lesson and make sure they have the tools. Now, for those of you using my music staff, my music staff allows us to upload files and we can email families and we can upload files onto um, a student's profile. Um, There's some options there. Um, the other the other thing that I use a lot now in my teaching studio is especially for musical theater or for uh, contemporary music is YouTube karaoke videos. Those there seems to be uh, an abundance of those, and because my students are often on YouTube anyways, um, it seems to be a great tool. Again, I do inquire about the speaker system or lack thereof at home about practicing, but again, this is all a conversation that has to be done with families. And um, if we can do that, well, then we have a better chance of uh, setting up some routines at home. Um, Now, in my teaching studio, one of the best tools, which I absolutely love, and I love it for two reasons. One, it's an amazing app. I love app Companist. Um, App Companist is uh, available, I do believe, for tablet and for your phone, um, iPhone, um, and um, the iPads. I do believe they're working on an Android version, uh, but it is a very powerful um, uh, piano track tool. Now, what's beautiful and what I love about it, you can transpose all the songs into all the keys. You can change the tempo in real time if needed. Um, you can also edit the tracks. So if you are working on a, I don't know, 16 or 32 bar cut, you can actually um, make those cuts within the track in App Companist and save that so that the student can then just practice the section that you are working on. Very, you can also repeat sections. Um, I did a little um, vi- uh, Facebook Live. The other reason why I love App Companist is because the um, family that created and uh, runs App Companist are the nicest people you could ever meet. I met Darren and his family at the Nats convention this year. Lovely lovely people. And um, it's a subscription-based service. It's it's t- worth every penny. It has served me well in the teaching studio. Um, they have musical theater tracks, and they are constantly up up upgrading, updating, and adding new tunes. And then they have classical repertoire as well. And you can uh, you can pay the subscription for what you need in your teaching studio. So I use a, uh, uh, I use the musical theater subscription. Amazing. Now they also have packages for students, which allow them to. I forgive me, I, I can't quite remember, but you can pay a smaller subscription fee, which gives you um, limited uh, uh, limited songs, um, access to limited songs. There we go. Um, anyhow, great app. Again, in my teaching studio, I have a small speaker system um, that can play at a substantial volume uh, so that my singers can sing out with their with their full voices. And, I, and, and so important that the volume is is correct and the speakers are placed properly. Um, But App Companist is just fantastic. Now, there are 
other uh, karaoke sites and music um, uh, services like that. And I'm going to put a link uh, of to some of these on my podcast page. So please visit www.thefullvoice.com backslash backsplash no backslash fv podcasts and you'll see all the links on the podcast page so there are great apps for those of us who um uh get migraines from reading piano music uh all day long (laughs) so um now uh, oh, the other thing, I'm just going to put this out there. The other thing that drives me crazy. So I have a lot of students in the Royal Conservatory and it's amazing um, how there's a CD in the back of those books, which is awesome, except that some of my students never crack open that CD. Um, I have to send them the tracks that I've converted into MP3 form because nobody seems to know how to do that anymore, which is really annoying. Anyhow, that's just a little rant. Um, Now, I also want to talk about um, uh, working with uh, collaborative pianists and um, helping our students to work with accompanists. Um, That is, I think, something for those of us who are not professional uh, level uh, pianists and and we are hiring accompanists to play for us, um, there is some facilitating that we have to do with our students. Uh, It is not comfortable uh, for them in the beginning to just sing, especially if they have been singing to a track. When our students are singing to tracks, to practice tracks, they are allowing the track to lead them. But when we work with an accompanist, we are the ones that are supposed to lead. And that doesn't happen, uh, not with our beginners um, uh, or our students that are maybe really anxious or um, dealing with some stage fright. Um, so we need to really help them. We need to encourage them. And I do believe that it is so important for us to have rehearsals with our accompanists. Um, this is something that I started doing many years ago. I know that this isn't an option for every teacher out there, but if you can somehow facilitate this, it's so important. But I do a group rehearsal before recitals. And this is an opportunity for all my students to come and sing and work with the accompanists. Um, They also get to use the microphones, they get to sing in the sanctuary. So it's a rather large sanctuary. Um, And this rehearsal is so important. Uh, it it really allows me to see what my students, where my students are at, how their songs are coming along, and also to help them with working with their accompanists. Now, um, uh, I I do encourage my singers to. Um, to instruct and and give the the pianist or the guitarist depending on who they're working with feedback and I always tell them you have to use your words and tell them this is too slow or this is too fast we talk about how you can if something starts too slow I know it's awkward but you're going to speed up a little bit and you're going to just politely look over and maybe with your body uh, let the accompanist know that you need it to go a little bit faster um, or 
or a little bit slower. Um, and we talk about the skills and communication skills and how we we work uh, well with our uh, accompanists. The other thing that I'm really crazy uh, obsessive about is teaching my students how to properly present their music to the uh, accompanists. Um, if you don't tell them how to do it, they they won't. They'll just hand. They won't even show up to rehearsal with their music. So I'm I'm always on them about their audition books, about how the music should be put in the book, how the music should be. Um, um, uh, how the binder should be properly, uh, like a good binder that lays flat. So important. Kids don't think about that. Well, most singers don't think about that, but um, that's something we need to teach them as well. Now, um, the other the other thing that I love, and again, very lucky, my husband is a super talented, um, uh, schooled uh, guitar player. Uh, he can play everything from classical to rock to pop to Celtic. He also plays the mandolin beautifully. Um, my poor husband has played every Taylor Swift song ever written because friends don't let friends play Taylor Swift songs on the piano. Some of our contemporary music does not translate well into piano score. And I am so fortunate because I I think that giving our students the opportunity to sing with a guitar player, if it is possible, is really great. Uh, con- commercial music, contemporary music um, that that is written and performed on guitar, it, it has a different feel. Um, the instrument has a different timbre. The strumming pattern of the guitar is different different than you, the comping patterns usually found in piano. And it can take a little while for our singers to become accustomed to that and understand and to feel the beat with that type of instrument. So if you have the opportunity, if your students are singing contemporary music, if you have a friend, and I actually have some great colleagues who are so good at playing the guitar as well, um, if you can give your students that opportunity, amazing, great. Um, and like I said, don't be playing those Taylor Swift songs on the piano because they just sound horrible. Um, so working with our collaborative pianists. Now, for those of you who are hiring uh, piano players for your studio, um, this is something that is so important. Um, there are, uh, I've, I've had issues in the past with some when Anne wasn't available or my favorite piano players weren't available where I've had piano players who are not sensitive to younger voices and um, this this is something that we do have to be mindful about if we are working with young singers we need accompanists to be playing obviously at volumes uh, that uh, that are are healthy for our young singers and th- that can appreciate um, some of the challenges that they may have um, new performers young young singers new performers may have um, slips of memory they may have have, uh, they may skip a bar. They may be really, really, really nervous and come in in the wrong place. So I think um, when you are hiring somebody or working with somebody, make sure that they do know um, 
uh, how to work with the young singer. And um, that that's, that's just another tip that I have. And I, I think we've all learned that one through hit and miss. Um, the other thing I would like to say, and, and I'm, I'm kind of skipping back here. Um, for those of you that are, are working with the jazz idiom, um, in order for our singers to really understand feel and swing, I think it is imperative that they have the rhythm section. So this is where uh, backing tracks are super helpful. Hal Leonard has a couple of fantastic uh, resources, um, some uh, repertoire collections that come with um, really well done uh, backing tracks that have a rhythm section, drums, bass, uh, and piano. And these are far more helpful when when diving into jazz and we do talk about you know what the drum is doing what the drums are doing what the bass is doing you know uh we listen to the walking bass line we listen to the comping patterns it's really difficult for singers new to jazz to understand that feel um without that rhythm section so there's another great example where i'm not going to play i'm going to use a track because i need them to hear the drums i need them to hear the bass so um i just i was just glancing at my notes and i realized that i forgot about that one anyhow so for those of you out there whether you are a skilled piano Uh, master, whether your piano accompaniment skills are functional, or whether you are a one-handed wonder, (laughs) Um, there are times and places where we don't want to be behind the piano. We need to um, make sure that we are serving our students well. There are plenty of tools out there for us to use in our teaching studios. And uh, although it's challenging, we do need to figure out for each and every one of our students how they best, what tools they have at home, and how we need to, um, what files or what types of of um apps or programs we need to to give them so that they can be successful at practicing at home. And whether we are playing with them or not, we do need uh, opportunities for performances where our students get to practice with the accompanist in a rehearsal format. I think those are so helpful. Anyhow, that is my podcast number 63 to play or not to play now next week on the full voice podcast so excited we were talking at the beginning of this one about what what uh professional development are you going to invest in this year well i am bringing back my dear friend shannon coates And Shannon Coates is going to be talking about her new online course called The Vocal Instrument 101. Now, Shannon has been a guest on the podcast mm, a couple of times because she is funny, inspired, smart, and all of that. And I am so excited for her to tell everybody about her new upcoming course. So... As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, please, 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 please leave a review and a rating on iTunes. That helps us so much. Tell your friends, send me an email, whatever you need to do. Please let us know. And uh, as always, I am wishing you 
happy singing, inspired teaching. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. May my canoe music. Canoe music.ca